Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? What day is it? I have no idea. Time is meaningless. No, but guys, I think, uh, you know, I'm, 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 still, I'm still optimistic. It seems like uh, we're a little bit of an upswing. Less, less people are going to the hospitals. More people are being discharged, all that stuff, so hope you all are safe and healthy. Uh, I've been cooking up a storm, but also uh, kind of eating healthy. I, I don't own a scale, so I, I, I do not know. This is, this could be fake news that I'm reporting, but I think I'm losing weight. I'm e- I mean, I'm eating a lot better. I'm riding my bike, going on long walks. Went on a nice, like, seven-mile walk the other day. Showed my parents they wanted to come down. Actually, my one... Ah, it doesn't matter. You guys don't want to know this story. But nonetheless, went on a nice long walk with them. So, you know, wearing masks and everything. We were, we, were, we were safe. My mom's a nurse, so she knows how to practice uh, safe social distancing and all that good stuff. Anyway, uh, making salads... Uh, trying to cut out the carbs and like the bad fats like cheeses, but I still, you know, I mean, I'm having some whole wheat bread. I'm I'm sprinkling a little bit of cheddar on maybe onto the salad or something like that. I just I love the flavors. But um, actually, you know, when listening to this episode and uh, doing the little tweaking that I do, I I hear I bring up at the end where we both bring it up. Me and my wonderful guest Evan Santiago, the owner of Hybrid Coffee, Hybrid Coffee and Kitchen. Uh, we, we talk about texture, and that really is something that I'm more and more trying to, like, experiment my, my myself with my cooking. Uh, definitely something that the amazing chefs that I get to meet on here and go to their restaurants uh, are masters of already and, and, and understand it and could in a second be like, well, duh, you dummy, you know, to me, but, you know, it's like, I'm in the, I'm in the stage right now that it's like, oh, wow, you know, sweet and, uh, this is flavors, but sweet and salty go good together, it's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock, that's, yeah, chocolate covered pencils, there you go, uh, something I've known for a long time, but, so I'm sure there's, in the, in the realm of textures, I would love to, I wonder if there's, oh, there's my phone, I'm very, uh, 
Uh, house party notification. Brian Rodriguez, Agatha, and Dow are in the house. Oh boy, you know Brian Rodriguez. Anyway, uh, I wonder if there's like a, you know, there's sauciers. Is there like a, uh, textologist? You know, tech texture. Uh, you know, person that's really, really, I would love to talk to someone that really knows about all that stuff. Or is that just something, you know, something I haven't really talked about with a lot of the chefs on here, like their deep understanding of that, if, you know, um, just in today's plates, I feel like there's just a lot more going on and people are just trying to be creative and everything like that. So anyway, been doing a lot of that. I had a fun little breakfast sandwich competition recently and uh I, my my sandwich really i posted it so if you if you follow uh the foodie films media instagram you, you uh, should have seen it and it was on a potato roll and what did i do i did oh i did the bacon i'm all about the bacon jam the homemade bacon jam so it's just sauteed onions you know chopped up finely and uh and couple pieces of bacon chopped up finely and it just really boy that's good so spread that on the bottom of the toasted potato roll martin's potato rolls um and then let's see an over easy egg but i did it in the olive oil so getting those crispy edges and then toss a slice of american on that maybe two slices maybe i wasn't that healthy that day not sure uh so that melted kind of holding in the egg yolk but of course once you bite into it, it breaks but that's again that plays into the texture game and then two crispy pieces of bacon uh avocado some sriracha so all those flavors all those textures uh, I think that I think that's it that I put on it. Not that that's not a lot. Um, just all the yeah, all those flavors, all those textures. Really great sandwich. Uh, so that's what what I've been doing in the food room. But anyway, like I said, Mr. Evan Santiago. I met him um, about a year ago. Uh, you know when the hi- hybrid was opening up, and i try I try to go there multiple times uh, a week, and mind you, this was recorded before uh everything that's going on with covid and uh, quarantine and all that um so I've seen him you know during this time, and uh maybe I should have like a follow up kind of episode with him uh, he be maybe he'll be my first repeat first cut what would that have to be would that be second cut or uh you know know, second servings i don't know haven't done that yet but just a follow-up with him to kind of catch up and see you know we have our little conversations but for you guys record that conversation just see what he's been doing i just see all these chefs you know it's gotta adapt gotta adapt for these times so uh i know he's been getting you know while it might not be as many customers he's one of he's like the only coffee shop that stayed open during this time so he's getting you know a pretty good diversified group of customers and maybe hopefully when uh places open back up maybe these people will stick with him it'll all be really interesting to find out but anyway here i go me and evan talking coffee you're gonna learn a lot about coffee i'm gonna hit you with a hard question first how you take your coffee oh man that's, that's that's a great question um I'm a Cortado guy. I love balance. So uh, if I'm going to get coffee, double shot of espresso, equal milk. Yeah. So and uh, I'm I'm not I I can the only time I'll have anything that's dairy related is pretty much an ice cream, <laughs> but outside of ice cream, I'm more of a oat milk guy. So uh, do what I would put on my menu as an otado, okay. oat milk cortado. 
there's a whole, I want you to like, I mean, this is going to be like a free lesson right now for me in sure. the world of coffee. Like, you know, there's been little by little over the years of, you know, I always said wine was an acquired taste, which I've not acquired. I've now acquired the taste for it, but I have very little knowledge when it comes to it. And then coffee is the same thing too. I mean, I've been drinking it a bit longer, mm-hmm. but it's still something that I feel like a lot of people, I mean, you know, I'll speak for myself. I don't know a lot about. Sure. But uh, before we deep dive into the world of coffee, why don't you just introduce yourself, tell the foodies out there who you are, what you're doing. Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, Evan Santiago, um, my background is in art direction and design. Decided to kind of uh, jump into this world of coffee um, maybe a little less than a year ago. I've always had this desire to be in the service industry. You know, design inherently is a service-based uh, <laughs> industry, but it's super subjective, as is coffee. But in this industry, I've learned that um, you don't only please people, but you please palates. And I feel like a palate lasts a lot longer than, uh, than our conversation. So yeah. it's like, if I do well in that arena, um, I'll do well for a long time. So I kind of decided to get into a different service. Uh, so like graphic design is really cool. Marketing, I still do it in this industry, but I feel like coffee and food and just puts a smile on people's face so yeah i've enjoyed it and right now we're at hybrid coffee and kitchen and kitchen yeah so this is your brick and mortar this yeah. is your yeah. i mean your second iteration right of yeah. in the coffee world yeah a good a good point so like i started in a 1970s horse trailer featured white wall tires kind of like a uh pays homage to my father growing up he really loved um old cars yeah so i uh, spent my saturdays working on his old 1954 uh, Fairland, he had many, many different cars. So. <laughs> My dad's a car guy too. Yeah. We, our, our base, I mean, I, I like cars. I mean, I, I love cars. I appreciate them. Another thing, like, I mean, I'm not, but I'm not like a, me, you know, mechanical guy yeah. by any means. I yeah. appreciate them for their visual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he used to take he used to take me to um, like these car shows and stuff. So that's something that we really have in common. We really love uh, cars. But to be completely transparent, um, I will never change oil on my vehicle because I'm just so sick of it. So it's like growing up, growing up, my dad used to always make us work on the car. So the idea of working on a car is just crazy. But the idea, uh, so 1970s horse trailer, white wool tires. Um, yeah, I see a picture of that thing. That's pretty super beautiful, yeah. you know, uh, inspired by kind of a little bit of Europe, uh, European uh, inspiration there. I have a lever pull espresso machine. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of create something that didn't require someone to have to come through a door. I think that it's a little intimidating sometimes. We create brick and mortars and there's an expectation for people to come through the door. So being in a marketing uh, industry, I wanted to do a guerrilla marketing approach, which is what a lot of people, was basically it is just taking marketing to the streets. Yeah. Something that's kind of abnormal. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna create this thing. And if you wanna stand at a distance, 10, 20, even 100 feet away and look at the truck and make a decision to come to, come to uh, you can do that. So the cool thing is that people would come, they would love to take photos in front of it. So it's, it had this, it was very, it's photo appealing, it's Instagrammable. Yeah. So like people taking photo in front of it and like, hey, why don't you try a cup of coffee? And uh, just create this rapport with customers and mm-hmm. um, a lot of repeats because of it. I mean, what went into, you know, you, you decide, you, you find this horse trailer, like, uh, you know, like that's just, I think, pretty crazy sounding of its own. You had the aesthetic and like the design for it, like out of, like I said, appreciation of just obviously your dad and the, and the you know, all that automobile, you know, automobiles and everything that goes in with that. Yeah. You say, I want to wor- work in the world of coffee. I'm going to do a gorilla style. You go down, and it's down by the harbor side. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know Jersey City, you know, so that's you're looking right across at like the best view of New York as well. Yeah. 
you got the whole financial district, all that. Totally beautiful. And you got the people that are working your at least nine to five down there. Totally. So like that was what was the decision process and that sure. you just knew the go to clientele there. Yeah. So the idea was that if I'm gonna be a mobile, like a lot of people look at my truck and they say, oh, you you guys are a coffee truck or you're in a special truck. And I like to consider it a mobile coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that everyone's on the run. I want, since I'm a mobile coffee shop, why not be in an environment that is completely mobile? People are running to and from the work. Um, so I wanted to create a solution that didn't require them to have to walk through doors. So they can just kind of pop up right after the, outside of the path train, grab a cup of coffee, head right to work. So it cuts time in half, mm-hmm. um, and it looks really cool. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's like, hey, I got my coffee at this new place called Hybrid Coffee. It's a horse trailer. You know, there's nothing like it in Jersey City. Um, and that's the cool thing. It's kind of the thing that I pride myself on is that I've developed something that you won't see around here. Separate yourself from the others. Because in the end of the day, like, I mean, in the Heights alone where we are. Yeah, tons of you got how many? Yeah, tons of coffee shops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, like, you've got your aesthetics. I love the setup out there. It's yeah. got a very chill vibe yeah. to it. Always got some good mellow music going yeah. on, too. Yeah. I mean, that's also, I mean, you know, coffee. It's just, you know, like, I mean, it's changed through the years, what you know, what coffee is. And so, like, I mean, what, what do you think, it, like, the world of coffee is right now, just in the sense of the coffee hasn't even have those have changed? Sure. So um, I think that over the years, uh, if you go back maybe 10, 12 years ago, right, mm-hmm. uh, coffee was coffee. It's literally the way that people would probably explain it. Uh, you had local places like you had local places like a Starbucks. You'd have a Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. Your local bodega, depending on where you are in the city, right? Um, your bagel spot, etc. And I think that over time there was an appreciation for quality, and um, people started to say, you know what, I want to try something different. Coffee, yeah. coffee is more complex than what people think it is. You know, it's it's more than Folgers and Maxwell House. Um, so I think that over the years people desired to like bring more out of coffee. So this idea of like roasting things, you know, having different roast profiles, going to different regions in the world and, and picking a bean like Ethiopia or Mexico or Costa Rica and learning that, hey, a Mexican bean has really high chocolatey notes an Ethiopian bean has very fruity notes, you know. Um, you have Costa Rica, it's maltiness and some chocolate there and um, learning that depending on how you roast these things, you'll get different flavor profiles. So I think that people... They've acquired this like knowledge that hey, coffee has com- complexity. Has yeah. so let's roast it a different way and see if it's if it's if it's cool. So I think that the inherently I, I can't, you know don't quote me on this, but I think that the desire came out probably from things like wine. You know, you yeah, look at wine, you have wine, red, beer, whiskey, beer, exactly, you know, all that. So you have like you have you have red wine, you have white wine. There's different notes. There's dry. There's sweet, etc. There's a, there's kind of a taste scale, taste profile, and coffee has the exact same profile. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think that they were like, you know what, we can do the same thing with coffee. The same thing that we do with wine, we can do it with coffee. So this is kind of where the third wave came in, a third wave coffee industry uh, yeah. kind of got introduced into the world and, um, and it kind of changed the coffee culture. And I believe that that's exactly what it is, it's a culture. Um, whereas back in the day, it was just kind of a drink. It was, it was water. You never say, you never would walk around and say, hey, I'm a part of the, wa- the, the water culture. Or the soda culture, <laughs> but like coffee has become a culture because there's a lot of layers that are attached to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I mean, growing up, like earliest coffee memories besides my parents just like you know, consuming it would be 
a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, even before like Starbucks was Starbucks. Yeah, of course. Like took over the world for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but there was, you know, the the best part of waking up is folders in your top. You know, <laughs> yes. like, but like besides that, I really can't. What then? There's like chalk. Uh, Chuck uh, full, full of nuts. nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's like what people. Yeah. It was like saying Bud, Coors, Miller, you know, like that's that, it. Yeah. That, that level. But just, I mean, I've had brewers on, I've talked beer plenty with other guests, but that is, there is a food renaissance going on, and this is part of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. How many varieties? I mean, is there endless varieties that you have here? Like, do you know, like, I mean, how many varieties do you have sure, going on a, here? Sure, it's a great question. So, basically, the coffee changes seasonally. Okay. Um, so, every season, we kind of, like, alter the roast profile. For the, for the most part, um, this season, we're working with our, our standard blend, our house blend is Costa Rican and Mexican, right? So, that's the blend that we're offering uh, as our house blend. But then we also have things that are on single origin, which is basically it's from one region. Mm-hmm. So we're not blending. We're kind of roasting one bean from one region. Uh, what I have right now um, on tap, per se, is a, is a, Hondur- a Honduras uh, and black cherry, basically. So it's, it's from Honduras, but it has like black cherry kind of like malt chocolate. And then I have Ethiopian uh, right now, which is kind of like a, a blueberry grape. Yeah, I tried that last time yeah. I was in here. That yeah, it's was, like that kind of a, it's really nice. It has like a like a wine quality to mm-hmm. it, so it's like less filtered. And then I have a and that's all natural process. And then I have like a Bali that's also natural process, and that is like a strawberry and like a chocolate. My fave, really love it. Uh, it's probably the perfect balance between fruit and chocolate. So to me, it's like the perfect coffee. Kind of yeah. works well black. I prefer it black, and when it comes to single origins, but if you decide to add some cream to it. Um, even a little sugar, it's still really, really well, mm-hmm. uh, really, really good. Um, sometimes even doing things like that is kind of a curse word. You go to some shops and they kind of scold you for adding milk um, <laughs> to, to coffee. It's just not how I roll. I mean, I, I, my wife loves to add cream and sugar to her coffee. So I kind of like got into the industry of the whole, like the whole coffee fever, if you will, is, is like from my wife. So it's like I drink coffee with cream and sugar. Um, I do appreciate it more now, of course. So I'll like I'll try to taste the complexity. But sometimes I come in in the morning and I'm like, man, I just want a banana and I want a cream and sugar. Like I want cream and sugar in my coffee. Yeah, it you just know? depends on the mood. <laughs> the Whatever mood, little yeah. pick me up you need, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said before, you, you know, you know, you, you wouldn't find yourself changing your own oil, but out there, I have to say, you got like a mechanical kind of like chemistry yeah. set thing yeah. going on. Yeah. Like let's talk about that. Like the process. You know, like there's some of your coffee that is uh, over a day long, like whole crazy, yeah, right? Like week exactly. Long. Yeah. Like, so yeah. the way that it works, it's um, so I have two different types of process for cold brew, right? So I can go through a few of them. So like cold brew process is uh, it's an 18 hour concentrate. Mm-hmm. So basically, what I do is I take I have this big um, tub, if you will, that has a spout at the bottom, and that tub has a filter, and then below that filter is a sponge. And uh, basically, it gives two filtration processes. So basically, uh, what I do is I ground the beans at the as the most coarse setting. Okay. Um, in, in in my case, I I ground like ten pounds of beans. It's a lot of beans. It's uh, it's really high end quality. It's very expensive uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> getting the product. But then um, what we do is we take those beans, we, we grind them, put them into the filter, um, and then we add water. So in, in my, my specific ratio is I do about seven gallons of water. I let it sit overnight, so about 18 hours. Um, right around the 18, 18 and a half hour mark, uh, I pour it out into, into jugs. So in, in my case, I'll do like a five gallon jug. Um, and it's like a growler it's like a hu- Yeah, it's, it's huge. <laughs> it's, it's like this huge five gallon thing. And then okay. the cool thing is, is that 
it goes through and it's ultra ultra black some dudes they you know they'll do like a metal filter right mm -hmm. i like a paper filter because i like my coffee to be super super filtered it's the equivalent of doing like a chemex with a paper filter okay um yeah. it's kind of what i do there and then i have another process which is called a kyoto which is a, a japanese style iced yeah coffee. that one and that's your that's yeah when i came in the first yeah. time and i was saying like i love like cold brew you're yeah. like well let, let try this yeah and that i don't drink it every time but like but it is it's delicious it's super nice yeah. um so that's about a 12 hour uh, it's a 12 hour uh, drip process and that's a mixture of, um, I do like a little bit of hot coffee for, to open up the bloom of the, of the beans. So mm -hmm. once I grind it, um, I don't do it super coarse, it's probably in, in a few steps higher. Um, put a little bit of hot coffee, it kind of blooms. And then what I do is I put uh, ice with water. So it's a mixture of two and it kind of drips at one second, one mm -hmm. second, uh, mm -hmm. every one second over 12 hours. And then that's Kyoto and uh, it goes through a, a ceramic filter at the base. So it's like super cool. So it's like this ceramic piece of stone. So ceramic stone um, looks f super hard. You never think that something can go through it, but it's porous. Yeah. So it kind of drips through that stone uh, over time, over 12 hours. And the quality, what you get out of that is an amazing tasting coffee. Um, I do specifically in that one, I do single origin. So that's like our pour over of cold of, of our cold coffee, if you will. Yeah. The, I mean, what what drew you to this, and like how much has got? This is a lot of knowledge you got. Yeah, like man. you know, like and but and, but it's not like you've been doing it for a long time. No. So yeah, like when did like just like this high interest begin, and then like what went into you just like learning this stuff? And sure. Um, so it's interesting because my. You, you would think that um, I studied this thing for years, I went to school for it, I was a barista, I just really wasn't. Before I was an owner, I was a consumer. Yeah. So I really desired, you know, the way that I am as a person is that when I eat something, I like to know what goes into to eating that, you know, to making that food rather. Um, when I'm drinking something, I want to know how it was made. I just have a genuine interest in like how things are created. Um, yeah. So I, I'm interested in the creation process. I mean, I am a creative at heart. Mm -hmm. So it's like the desire to know how things are built or that are created. It's just a part of the DNA, my DNA. Yeah, and you're just a very personable guy. Yeah. You know? so, so I'll ask questions. I'll sit down in a coffee shop and I'll just ask a ton of questions. Yeah. Right. What's interesting is that those questions turned into this dream, you know? So like I ask questions, how do you do this? How do you do that? Uh, how many grams of espresso? Uh, okay, 18 grams, cool, so, so it's 38 grams. So you, like you, what you do is you're doubling 18 grams and that's an espresso shot and, and then it's 20, over 24 seconds, that's a perfect shot. So you like learn all these things and I started to like write them down. Mm -hmm. And um, I started to do them at home. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get a Chemex, I'm gonna get an AeroPress, I'm gonna do, get, get all these <laughs> systems and I'm gonna start to create coffee and I became like, um, kind of my own, like uh, I was like a chemist. Yeah, you know, I've become like this like little so coffee chemist. Yeah, and became like a, a hobby at least at first, yeah. right? Before it was like you're doing that, and then you went like, you know what? I'm gonna get do, yeah. do this trailer. Yeah, like, exactly. So then I, 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 um, you know, the idea of going into a brick and mortar um, wasn't really a part of my plan. My plan was to develop something that that was just different. I, you know, there was nothing like it around here. It was food trucks, but there was not a coffee truck that's only that focused on coffee that had everything that you can find inside of a coffee shop, a mobile. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything like that around here. So I wanted to kind of create this thing um, and present it to people. It was low overhead. There was a lot of reasons behind why I did it, right? But from the day that I opened, which was, which was April uh, of last year, from that moment, right, to, to today, my desire, after I opened, I was like, I have to open a brick and mortar because mm -hmm. It wasn't only about coffee. I'm really customer service focused. Like, I feel like we do the coffee well. 
So if we do coffee well, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that I feel like you have to go, there's another glory, there's a new step for, for me. There's, I need, I need to learn something else. I need to get better in something. So if I do coffee well, I can, I can spend all of my time learning how to do coffee even better, mm-hmm. right? Or I can continue to work on that craft, but put it on the back burner and focus on customer service. So this idea of like making people feel welcomed, making people feel good when they walk through the door, creating an atmosphere that, that, that just feels really warm. So I decided to dedicate a lot of my time on that. And I took on this mentality, this Zappos model, that's like, we're a customer service company who happens to sell coffee. And this idea, you know, it's a very Zappos, you work in sales, you hear this all the time, mm-hmm. and they're a customer service company who happens to sell shoes. And don't get me wrong, I'm constantly looping back to our coffee and, and, and making sure that it's good. But my focus is really to just make people feel really, really comfortable. Yeah, I mean, so when, you know, right, when, when you had that, like, I want that brick and mortar, what made you, you got Harbor side, you know, east and a little south of here. Why, why up in the heights? Like, was there, you know, like, what was the decision, decision making in that? Yeah. So, um, I'm a, I was born in Hoboken and mm-hmm. I lived the majority of my life uh, in Jersey city. Mm-hmm. So this mentality of like growing where you're planted, I live in the heights. And one of the things of, as, as being a creative, as being a designer, the thing that I, that lacked in the heights was this space where you can kind of like work from, you know, you can get coffee, you can get food. And you can work, you, they have places in downtown Jersey City where you can like work from. But there's not a place where you can kind of like get all those three things in one place. Yeah. So I was like, here you can get food, mm. you can get coffee, and you can also work from home. And it's kind of like have this, it's like your own space and you don't have to pay any additional subscription. Any, so I want to create a space that would work well for all people, yeah. specifically creatives. And the heights really lack that. So the reason why I wanted to work in this specific area was for that reason. I wanted to present something to the people of the, you know, the, the families and the, the hardworking, um, you know, uh, people, if you will, that, you know, hey, there's an option for you to just work from home. If you don't have to be in your house, you don't have to put your, yeah, yeah. your you don't have to sit in your bed. You can come to hybrid and you can kind of like have a, have a cup of coffee and really be catered while you're working, you know, catered to while you're working. <laughs> Going with that, and I mean, so you grew up in Jersey City, mm-hmm. and you're part of this. It, it just has such a, I mean, obviously, specifically the Heights, the, you know, the neighborhood, a community. But what does that mean, you know, being part of this community, making this space? And you guys, I mean, you're att- you're attached to um, what's the official name here? It's the, the uh, Hope, Hope Center, Center, yeah, for the visual and, and performing arts. arts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So really um, glad you brought that up. So like the building is is inherent, like it's the Hope Center for Visual and Performing Arts. This is their building, it's their space. So it's like they've given me the ability to kind of operate and kind of manage the space, but they're licensing my brand. I own I own Hybrid, they're licensing the brand, I'm coming in and I'm managing that that space, yeah. right? So the cool thing about this, this specific building and their initiative is that their dedication is to the community. They do think countless things throughout the year, multiplicity of events, that just dedicate that just are focused on like helping the community, making the community like reminding them that hey, we're here for you. Um, just this past uh, Christmas, they did this thing called Twelve Days of Christmas, and they went to the, the fire departments, they went to police departments, they went to the parking authority. Believe it or not, they went to di- <laughs> <laughs> at all places. The parking authority never gets love. Um, this uh, quick story about that: it's like they went to all these places, and there was like baskets and 
flowers and chocolate, you know, at the fire department, yeah, the police yeah, department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they walked into the, the parking authority, there was nothing. There, was, there wasn't anything on the walls. There was bare. So they were very surprised <laughs> to see us walk in um, and to bless them with the, these things, right? So, so the Hope Center does a lot of things for the city. Every time the city has, an, has a meeting or there's a, uh, there's, a, uh, dis- there's a local neighborhood discussion that needs to happen, mm-hmm. the Hope Center op- opens itself up for these events, uh, you know, and they just do a tons of things for the city. So anytime there's some, there's a need, they're there. So I really felt like this would be the best place for me to partner with. Yeah. You know, I felt like the Hope Center has such a great, um, they have great initiatives and they have great heart. They have, they love the city. And so do I, like, I love this city. I love this city. I love this space. I love these people. And like, I want to be, I kind of want to grow where I'm planted. Like I said earlier, like I'm planted here. I want to grow here. And the Heights, in my opinion, is the perfect place to do that. I feel like downtown is very saturated, um, and, and it works. It works like my I have my truck down there. Like yeah, I yeah, love downtown. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot. There's like this is residential. This is like very different. The Heights yeah, is different. It is. It's yeah. like very residential, very family focused. And I'm like, I have two kids. Like I, I want I want to build something here that my kids can come in. You know, and they can like play Pac-Man, and at the same token, like their mom and dad can sit down and drink their coffee, and and they can run around, and no one's telling them, to, you know, to not run around. And yeah. so, so I have it's a decent space. Like I love this space and love this building. How did you like first hear about the Hope Center? Yeah, so um, Hope Center is a place that I've attended. So the Hope Center turns into a house of worship as well. Mm-hmm. So Sundays, um, Tuesdays, and Fridays uh, in the evening. So on Sundays, it's it's uh, their service at uh, ten fifteen, twelve fifteen. Oh, well, it's Spanish service in the morning. I'm sorry. So it's uh, it's uh, 9 a.m., 10:15, and 12:15. And uh, I've been a part of the Hope Center for like 17 or 18 years. Oh wow! Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. I've actually yeah. I've been a part of the organization for super super long. The church, I mean, it was on 43 Charles Street years ago. Uh, the pastor here married my wife and I. Well, in this April I'll be married for 14 years. I have two kids, a 12 year old and a 10 year old. So like this. This church it's has been ingrained, ingrained yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's an awesome place. Um, they do a lot for the community, and uh, they also uh, they're going to be reintroducing this the performing arts aspect, which they did uh, professional percussion, they did guitar, they did ballet, they did drama, they did fine arts. They mm-hmm. offered this to the community; people can come in and take classes. Wow, that's um, great! Yeah. It's super cool. So it's like. I know I know the pastors. I know um, the the owners of this building uh, for super long, and it just kind of made sense. It just mm-hmm. made sense for me to come here and just to take over this cafe, um, and and make it hybrid, mm-hmm. make it a hybrid. <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the perfect. I mean, I mean, yeah. Even just the, your name, hybrid. Where did yeah. that come from? It's a good question. So that's probably the most the question that I'm asked more than any other question. Um, apart from like, why did you get into this industry, right? <laughs> but the most one of the one of the highlights uh, is probably like Evan. Why did you call it hybrid, mm-hmm. and why not thoroughbred, or why not like all these <laughs> other names? People have given me their suggestions, and I'm just like, pure. Yeah, yeah, pure. Why it has to be a hybrid? Hybrid because when people think of a hybrid, they think they almost think negative. Like it's it's not. Like no, it's no, not yeah, like hybrids yeah. are cool, man. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, so I think about coffee and I think about things like a cortado and I think black coffee, I think about milk and I think about those two elements put together 
is a hybrid. Yeah, there you go. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so Two separate things that end up, you know. Working so well together, yeah. right? Um, also, we were not, in my, in my horse trailer, right? We were not 100% mobile or 100% brick and mortar. We were a hybrid of both. So the idea is that you approach my truck, I have subway tiles behind me, like it looked like you were approaching a counter. So, so I didn't want to be recognized as one of anything. Mm-hmm. Like even our beans, our house blend is a blend of beans. It's from two different regions, right? We do offer single origins, like I mentioned earlier, right? So we come from one specific region, etc. But for the majority, the majority of things that are on my menu, whether it be for coffee or food, they're blends of different things. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. hybrid is just a big mix of so many different elements. And honestly, I personally consider myself a hybrid. Like I'm a, I'm a dude that is, an, is a creative director by trade. Um, I know video, I know design, I know stage design, I know interior design. Like I have, I, I know food, I know coffee. Like I'm a mix of so many different things. Um, and it's because, not because I wanna do everything, it's because I have a desire to learn. Yeah. So like I've become this person who's just a hybrid, I'm just, an, I'm a hybrid. So, and the brand inherently is, is a part of me. So everything about the brand is a little bit of me, it's mm. details, et cetera. So it's like, that's kind of how the name came about. It was like, yeah. I, I learned, I was like, you know what? Hybrid, I mean, coffee is a hybrid. Like there's, it's just different, coffee's a fruit. Like it's a fruit <laughs> yeah. that has been turned into, like it's a fruit that's a bean. It's like, it's so, it's mind boggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people think about that sometimes. No, they don't think yeah, about yeah, it. Like, yeah. you know, it, like it's a fruit. Coffee is a fruit. And, and the, the outside of that fruit is used even to make like something called cascara. It's like, it's like a cherry tea and it's high in caffeine. Like taking these elements and like taking a bean that's a, that's a fruit and converting it into coffee, like coffee's a hybrid. Yeah, I wonder yeah. what the I wonder what the first person was thinking when they started yeah. making coffee. So you know, it's always like you know, like it was a brave man, the first you know man to eat an oyster. It's just like, well, yeah, sure, yeah. You see that thing in the water, you pull it out, and you yeah. end up cracking it open. You're eating it. I'm sure they must have seen an animal do it, like a fucking otter. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but, but like, but still, like, yeah, coffee. So like, you bite into it, and then what? They realize like the caffeine, and then <laughs> yeah. it got dried out one time, and then yeah. it got wet. Like I have, you know, I'd <laughs> love to. It's funny, right? Because you. Would think that I would like know all this knowledge and um and I probably should but I don't I don't know like what was the first instance like yeah. I can just assume that some dude was like hey we have to like boil this water down but like why not throw a berry in it yeah and, like, it's like <laughs> well you I know? guess it's better that you know the making process <laughs> yeah maybe, versus the history. <laughs> yeah, history but maybe that's the next step maybe you're gonna write a book I don't know I'm yeah maybe man <laughs> maybe I mean I just make a mini series of just the history of coffee. Of, of coffee and how it's made I do desire to do like this little uh, explanation this little this little illustration book that shows like what each coffee is yeah um, I love books like I'm a big like I have so many coffee table books yeah there you go right there yeah <laughs> of course yeah, yeah exactly a coffee table book on co- isn't that it. didn't Kramer on Seinfeld yeah. like the coffee table yes, table book yes yes that was hilarious <laughs> so hilarious well yeah so uh, growing up in Jersey City I mean we're I think we're the same age yeah. th- you know 32 yeah. right and uh, so like what you know, I mean, I grew up in Bergen County, and you know, just that was very. I mean, it's got the suburb vibe in here, but it's still part of Jersey City. Yeah. So, like, what was it like growing up in Jersey City? Man, it's so different. Like, because um, the only word that I can really describe Jersey City uh, well, at back when I was growing up was that it was just very, it was very hood. 
Like it's yeah. the only word that I can think of. It's like, you know, we had, we had areas of the city that were okay, right? But for the most part, it was just a bunch of like, you know, uh, as, as my dad would say, like a bunch of us, he, we were just like a bunch of street rats, you know, he's just always in the street, <laughs> playing wiffle ball, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Know, uh, you know, playing wallsies as we would call it, you know, grabbing a, like a, one of those, the blue ball hitting against the wall and like ta- hitting each other uh, in the back with it. Suicide, right? Suicide, we <laughs> called it wallsies. There you go. And you know, everybody has a different name, right? So, um, so for us, it was just, we used to play manhunt. I don't know if you guys did that, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. a manhunt guy. Like you can't do that stuff anymore. Like that's how you know things have changed. You can't you can't be outside at eleven o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night running up and down behind people's you know in people's yards. Yeah, and yeah. You can't yeah, do yeah. those things anymore. But like it was just very it was very much a city. It was what you would see in the movies. I, I I would like when I look at a movie and I think about like New York City and kids running around and playing wiffle ball and all, like that's how Jersey City was, and then it has it has changed. But you know what? It, I feel like just like I've grown up. Jersey City has grown up. I, I mean, I feel just like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but just during, I mean, the 90s yeah. and even even the 2000s, it was just kind of in a transitional phase in the sense of, you know, all the, like, corporations like Colgate mm-hmm. and all, like, manufacturing, I yeah. should say, like, all that was leaving or had gone already. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was kind of, you know, so it was rough in that sense, too, that it's just like, well, what... Like maybe like not, maybe like losing a little bit of your identity mm-hmm. in a certain way. Yeah, that's, you know, a, as a, as that's a, a good point. Yeah, it's, that's actually a really good point. I, the, the crazy thing is, is that downtown Jersey City is nothing, nothing compared to what it used to be. Like, just a bunch of warehouses. Yeah, ma- just manufacturing companies. Uh, you had pencil on one thirty nine. There was a big pencil company. Like, yeah, it's just, that's now loft apartments. It's like loft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get me. So it's like, so it has yeah. converted since um, to just be something else. And mm. um, I, I agree. Maybe it's like it was in this trend. It was in transition, trying to like redefine its identity. And mm. I think that the cool thing is, is that we've people have moved into the city and had a desire, you know, to just make it better. I think that you, we could have approached Jersey City in two different ways, right? You could have like knocked everything down and, and made it a bu- very business focused, right? Like just build yeah. a b- bunch of companies or m- break it up into segments. Like downtown is very, you know, exchange place area is very business focused. Yeah, very financial. Very financial. Kinda, yeah. And then you go a little further up and it's downtown Jersey City, you know, kind of like that is very fast city Brooklyn-like, very yeah. very Sesame Street, if you will. Yeah, even you like, know? I mean, the fact that they've closed off like X amount of blocks in Newark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. that's even like our own little, you know, now Broadway vibe. It is, yeah, yeah. it is. And, and, and then you go a little further up and it's even more residential. As you continue to go farther and farther up, it becomes a little bit more city and a little bit more urban. So like every city has different nooks and different crannies. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Jersey City has everything that you could, you could want in a city, in my opinion. I feel like it, it did everything that you want, whether it be food, whether it be fun, nightlife, uh, religious organizations, events, family, dog runs. I mean, yeah. we have, we have, and I, I really feel, I mean, Jersey City, I think, I read an article, I think, by, by the, the Times wrote it a while ago, about Jersey City being like the most diverse city in terms of its size in like the nation. Yeah, something, it was like that, and like even like Houston for some reason yeah. or another, that's just like, 
however, like over like 70 languages spoken. Yeah. And yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, I've only been here for two years now. I was in Hoboken before mm-hmm. that. So in the area, and even Hoboken, Hoboken at this point should almost be like a neighborhood of Jersey City. 100%. 100%. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like one square that. mile. I'm like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, like the Heights is, but the Heights panhandles it, but the Heights is even, I think, even like, you know, deeper. Like, so it's, you know. It's like it's like what separates one place from another is like a caution tape. It's like super weird. It's it's, it's not really a territory. It's not. It's, it's pretty not much a the Lack- Lackawanna line going. Yeah, like, right. And that's like it's you're going it's, it's so funny. It's like well, Jersey City, Hoboken. It's like so close. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of what happened. Like the transition of Jersey City. That's kind of how it all. I think over time it's, it grew up. I guess that's the only way I can think about it. Just like I've grown up, yeah. Jersey City has grown up, and it's, and it's acquired an identity. Just like the same way that we, I desired to acquire an identity, and, and I've become who I am today. It's because like I've grown up and I've learned things, and I feel like yeah. people have come in and they've made Jersey City what it is today. And, and I think that it's continued to grow up as it should. Any thoughts on and or just experiences or just you know even just seeing it of like gentrification? And I mean, good and bad because again, like gentrification, like. As far as food goes, like I, I only think that that can be good. Like there are so many great restaurants mm-hmm. and eateries now, and obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. like a hybrid having the brick and mortar, of course. creating spaces like this that people can go to. It so you know if they work from home and yeah. all that. But uh, yeah, just any you know thoughts just on yeah, that's a it's a it's a great question. So like I the problem that I have is. I love people to come into the city and their desire is to invest in the city and grow with the people that, mm-hmm. are, that live in it, right? Um, sometimes people get into, the, into industries, like coffee for example, they look at the $22 billion industry and they only focus on money, but they don't necessarily focus on quality. Yeah. So some people come into the city and they see space, they see available areas, they see all these opportunities and they focus only on the money and they don't really care too much about the people. So the issue that I have with gentrification is sometimes like, they come in and they, I just want to build a huge building and it's going to block 25 different homes from seeing the city now. But like, I want to build it because it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, which is and kind of... get to charge thousands of dollars thousands, yeah. for people then to see that view that Correct. was already someone else's. Correct. Yeah. So this idea of like, you know, coming into, into a town and just like building for the sake of building um, bothers me. I feel like the biggest struggle that Jersey City has at this point is parking. I think the the, mm-hmm. the thing that's frustrating yeah. for me as a homeowner is like, I own a house and they won't let me do a curb cut. I have the space for it. I have the ability to have my own driveway, but yeah. they won't let me do it. But if I were to knock down my home and start all over again, they would let me put a curb cut. Oh, really? Oh, so that's how asinine that, is that? Yeah, I mean, especially like if you were going to do it to create a driveway, do you, have, do you and your wife each have your own vehicle? Yeah, and would you would that driveway? Would you both of you be able to probably? We could, yeah. We probably yeah. could fit both vehicles. So uh, all I'm saying is, especially if you just created a single, yeah. you know, car size entrance to it, but then it widened out, yeah. and you could park both cars. That's technically then going to save a spot on the street. That's how I like. Feel. There just needs yeah. to be. I do agree. There needs to be smarter. I mean, just even, uh, you know, I street park, and so it's me, and my roommate, in our apartment. Then there's you know. Uh, couple above us I'm assuming they you know at least have a car if not two sure. and so you've got this one house and then there's a and there's a you know a couple above them I'm just, they've got to have at least one or two so in like one standing house you know it looks like a house but it's three apartments you've got at least four vehicles if not six yeah and I mean I've got, I even have a neighbor that 
he, he, you know, he and his wife, it's his wife's family's house that they've had since like the late 1800s. So I'm like, oh wow, you guys probably built this like, oh, crap, they probably like built it for like $5,000 and now it's worth a million dollars. It's a beautiful, course. huge house with a big piece of property in Jersey City. And like now it's probably over a million dollars, you know? But, uh, but he doesn't have a driveway. I don't even think he could like do what you're saying, like a curb cut and then create a single spot. Yeah. But he rents, there's this uh, older lady that's, he's to my right, older ladies to my left. And she has a big driveway and like a little spot also on the left side where it's a huge piece of property. Yeah. And he rents out the driveway. But sometimes like, and he's got, they have three vehicles. But you know what? He's renting a driveway, so that's fine. But some nights I see two of his cars out on the street. I'm like, why? And it's just like, like one time at like, you know, like I hear him and his wife like arguing, like, uh, you know, juggling the cars. Yeah, but you know what? In the end, you're renting that driveway. So at nighttime, when I'm circling around for 20 minutes or so looking for a spot, because I also want to park on, you know. I mean, just the fact that now we're never getting to parking enough. This is my venting time. No, no, no but just we, we. I mean, that they do street cleaning. Street, and I'll, you know, I'll do air quotes that street cleaning, more yeah, like just really. pushing shit out of the yeah. way. <laughs> so, uh, but you know that they do it two times a week on each side. Like Hoboken doesn't do that. No. Uh, and they do six days, even Saturdays on Central and Palisades. It's like, why? Yeah. yeah no, that's well, way. I think that at the end of the day, it's a way of the city getting money. That's the only yeah, reason. It's got, yeah, Be- exactly. because, because their yeah. mentality is like, well, if we sweep one more time and somebody leaves their vehicle, we ticket them. Yeah. And, and guess what? We make money. So it's, again, it, it's even the city, sometimes the city doesn't have the people's best interests. They yeah. only have, you know, so it's even like, People like parking authority. The reason why they get such a bad rap is for stupid things like that. Like, mm-hmm. like why do you have to clean on both sides? And then on Saturday on Central Avenue Palisade, like, why? Like, there's no value. But they do it because they want to make money. And yeah. I feel like these developers, some of these developers come in and their desire is to simply make money. Um, and, like, I don't knock, like, you know, I don't knock the desire to make money. But I think that you have to be self-aware enough to know that Hey, like what you're going to do is inherently going to affect other people. Yeah, like what it does to the what's what it's going to do to the community. Yeah. like it needs to be. I, don't know, I guess people need to meet here at the yeah, know, yeah, yeah, for real, and talk real. about it. Get and we have co- get a cup of coffee and talk. About yeah, exactly. Get a cup of coffee, exactly. <laughs> so the um, we have even the even the across the street that has been con- since converted into a municipal parking lot. It wasn't that was that was owned by the by the um, by the parking authority. And then it transitioned into like you had to like use the kiosk to like get a ticket, yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then that turned into Park Mobile, and and I love that. I mean that the fact that we have that parking area is amazing, mm-hmm. right? Specifically, really great for my business. However, um, they there's plans to build like this huge, you know, yeah. apartment complex there with like this three or four story like parking garage, and I don't even know if that's for the community. I is that for the is that for everybody or is that just for the people who are moving? In the yeah. in the new place and and again it's just um, a lot of people like we have these things coming like put, a lot of these buildings are being built because people aren't speaking up so anyway I, I know we're going down a whole different road right now but <laughs> no but, I, I agree any I mean especially anytime a big apartment building is built I think the first you know level should be a garage underneath yeah. so there's no more additional cars you're going to keep building apartments that at least one person is going to have a car, yeah. you need to offer that. Some type of parking space. I mean, they did it next door to this building. When they built that building, they built parking in the back. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, to your original point about gentrification and like my thoughts on it, I think the issue, I think, it, I think it's fine as long as 
we're, we have a holistic mindset and we're considering people. I think that as we're building businesses, I think food, bring it on. Cause I think yeah, that, exactly. I think food is amazing. But when you start to build these huge complex, um, you know, you want to bring on like activities for kids and dog runs and you want to do all these other things. Cool. But, but when you start to build these like huge buildings, these luxury buildings that nobody could really afford, that's another, that's a completely different conversation. But, but you know, that's where I have a little bit of a problem because you're not really thinking about the people. You're just thinking about your money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if we're a community, community isn't one sided, it's two sided. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. us and them. So it's mm-hmm. together. We're a family or community. Um, and I think that sometimes community, uh, the, the us and them is really like us looking at ourselves in the mirror because we only care about ourselves. And I think that's the, <laughs> that's what needs to change. Um, well, the mayor lives right up here in the Heights on Ogden. He does. So he we'll does. Catch him at the dog park. Sometimes he even volunteers Sunday mornings at uh, Wonder Bagel. Yeah, right? yeah, I saw, I, I passed by there. I see him often. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get him on. I don't know. I've, I've emailed and I've tweeted and stuff like that but I met him at the All About Downtown Street Festival yeah but you know, he met so many people I gave him my yeah. card or whatever I would love to have him on and talk to him yeah about he's a cool food scene I'm not trying I'm not gonna get into you yeah. know like gonna rip him a new one when it comes to parking and no stuff like no that. he's but he's generally speaking he's a good dude he's he um, seems like a good dude yeah he's a yeah. cool dude and he's just really down to earth I was with my kids and he like greeted them it was it was a good experience I yeah. mean um he lives like right across the street from one of my best best friends so yeah. it's like <laughs> I, I I see him often well, get, just getting back into yeah. the food element, do you have any new favorite food spots in Jersey City? Man, yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, I feel like it's become everyone's favorite spot, right? It's, but it's, uh, I love bread and salt. Um, bread and salt has become like, I love artisanal anything. <laughs> so anything that is like, and, and I guess I just love quality. I, I, I love things like that. So like going to bread and salt is literally like my playground. <laughs> I look around and I'm like, okay, there's pizza and there's mozzarella and there's oil and there's there's all these things that I love to death and they're being placed like hand tossed, handmade on you know like right in front of me. Mm-hmm. The other day I I went there and I got a baked apple and the dude was right in front of me like mixing the whipped cream yeah. <laughs> by hand like he was mixing the whipped cream and adding honey to it you know, like literally right in front of my face and I'm just saying like this is what I love. You know, yeah, so no. bread and salt is probably probably one of my faves, and um, and I really love Corto. Corto, Corto's good. Really yeah, cool. that's that's my yeah. Bread and salt, I've been to once. I definitely, I, I should give it another shot and exactly have the best experience. Yeah, but, customer you know, service. Yeah. I, I will I will advise everybody that's listening that you're not you're not going to go there for the customer service. You're going to go there <laughs> for the rock solid food, but um, customer service isn't <laughs> isn't the best. Yeah. But Cordo, yeah, I was just there uh, this you know past Friday, and uh, it's just yeah, it's one of my favorites. I just love going there. I mean, I love a BYOB. Yeah, and uh, I love the open kitchen. You know, that's that's just the, super and, cool. And the yeah, food, the open the kitchen food, is super cool. Food there is so good. It's very uh, speaking of artisanal. I mean, everything is like everything's handmade. Yeah, so it's super good. And I mean, that's a big thing. I know we've talked about before, but for you know, for the foodies listening, the fact that it's you know here it's hybrid coffee and kitchen. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your food and what you're yeah. doing in that department. So um, I love that. So like kitchen, the way that that all came came about, right? Because people ask me like, why didn't you call it cafe? Like I get that question a lot. Like why didn't you call it cafe? Why didn't you just call it hybrid coffee shop? Or you get a lot of I get a lot of restaurant, etc., brunchery, eatery, etc. And for me, the reason why I called it kitchen was it's very specific. I wanted it to be kitchen because the things that are on my menu are, are things that I would make at home. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is that I'm sharing my kitchen with everybody. So like what you're eating 
is are things that I have made for years, and they th- you know it's the soup that I've, I'm that I'm, everyone's eating right now is the soup that I've made for the last 14 years of my marriage. So it's like it's a soup that was created with my wife. Like we just one day wanted to make soup, and we took a few different recipes and put it together, and boom, there come, there's the sopa that's yeah. on my menu, and uh, beef stew, another item which is it's not, that's um, we call it in, Sp- in Spanish culture it's called caniguisada, which is um, stewed beef. And that, that is something we made at home. My wife makes it, you know, made it all the time. And the um, eggs in a blanket, right? Eggs yeah. in a blanket is something that, <laughs> like, everyone has different names for it. Eggs in a hole, et cetera, right? But my mom, I remember growing up and, like, I wanted something to eat really quickly. And my mom would take her, to, take her you know, would claw her fingers, you know, grab a little hole out of the middle of the bread, eat it throw it on a pan with a little bit of butter and make me an egg and I like I remember that so it's a little bit of a little bit of my childhood it's like it honestly the menu is 100% very personal and I think mm. that a lot of uh, chefs a lot of people who create restaurants they make things for people that they're not emotionally connected to and I feel like I want to sell something that I can, I can everything on the menu I can speak to mm, I yeah, can sell yeah. it to you I can give you a story about it um, and it kind of speaks to like my my extrovert extrovertedness, if you will. I don't know how, the proper way to say it, but like I'm very much an extrovert, and I feel like this these are opportunities for me to communicate with people. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, this is the menu, this is my menu, and this is why I did what I did. Avocado toast, the one that's on the menu, um, has become like one of my biggest sellers here, and I make that avocado toast for myself. Like it's how I've always made it. And I said, you know, I want to share this with the world. And so like the reason why it's called kitchen and nothing else is because. It's my kitchen. It's things that I'm creating in my kitchen. And, I'm, and if I decide to switch something up next week, I could do it. You know why? Because it's my kitchen. So I'm not... It's, it's, <laughs> I like it's, it. yeah, it's my yeah. house. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it came together. That's good. Well, it, it wouldn't be foodie films if we didn't talk about a couple of scenes. I know, you, I know you're having a little trouble yeah. as far as... Like I asked you, like, what were some of your favorite movies? So why don't we just at least before... Because I, I picked out a couple of scenes for us to talk. But let's just talk about your history. It just sounded pretty interesting just as far as your... Just like you know, familiarity, yeah. and just like your your love of just like you know, cinema and everything. Yeah, man, I I love movies. Like growing up, my dad uh, was a was a guy who used to watch like kung fu movies, right? So I used to like come into his room and he'd watch these kung fu movies that I like. You couldn't understand anything. It was just like a lot of fighting. So like this idea of like effects and, and sometimes things were so cheesy but as a kid I thought they were super cool right mm. so we had like we had two extremes I had my dad I was watching all these like martial art movies right and then we had times where my grandmother would come over my, my mother's mom and it used to really make me crazy because she would come over and the only she would take over the television and what she would watch <laughs> <laughs> what she would watch is like old black and whites and um you know, it used to really bother me. I used to be so annoyed. I used to have to sit down and watch him with her. But as I got older, I grew such an appreciation for, for cinema. I, got, I started to be like, man, like act, acting back then was hard. Like compared to now, it's yeah. like so different, you know? And I, uh, I guess just that much more, you know, like in the end, like, you know, at that point, if it was a movie from the 30s or even as late as maybe the 50s or something, if we're talking black and white movies, yeah. uh, that acting for camera was just, you know, like, just so different than, obviously, acting before, which was on stage. And yeah. Just the style of acting. This idea of, like, cuts. And, like, you had to remember entire scenes. You didn't have the ability to, like... Like, it was just very different yeah. back then. And um, it required, like, 
the amount of personality that was in a lot of these black and whites were so interesting. Like one of the movies that I remember um, watching with my grandmother was uh, uh, James Cagney, Angels with Dirty Faces. Great movie. And yeah, it's yeah. super good. So, yeah. It's like a gangster movie. And I feel like over time, like I've got this, I used to like really love like Public Enemy and like watch these movies that are super cool, like Scarface. And like Godfather, and I was just so like enamored. I was so interested in, in these like gangster movies, but I never thought of, I never really thought about why. And it's really because movies like Angels with Dirty Faces, like this like, gangster, these like little kids, and and I don't know. I just I I really love them. So I don't know. I guess my appreciation started when I was a kid watching black and whites. I never thought that I I would really appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate it more now than anything because it culture it made me like. It, I guess it gave me culture. Like my grandmother, without her even thinking about it, like showed me what movies really are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that today. Well, I, I picked out a couple of scenes and, and they are uh, both uh, go figure coffee scenes. I, uh, let's see if you're even familiar with the movies. Have you seen either Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell? It's, a, it's like a soccer movie. Yeah, yes, yes. And yes. then also the other one being uh, Role Models with Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott. That sounds super familiar. I, I have to see the, the poster, but... Yeah, you know what? Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll watch. Let's go with Kicking and Screaming first. We'll, we'll, we'll play that scene, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, cool. Oh, I don't know. The Irish cream sounds good, huh? What's that? Uh, it's cream and it's, uh, it's Irish. Hurry up and order! Excuse me. Thank you. Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, I don't have Does a card. Does anyone here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. That's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice. Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Sir, great. I'd love to. You're hurting me! You're hurting me! you, Derek? I thought we were friends. My name is Andy. Your name is Liar because you're telling lies. You know what? The odds are I will never come back here again. There's a good chance of that. That's a chance we'll have to take. Okay. That's how you want to play it. Okay. I am disappointed. God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's Will Farrell is... Oh man, I love him, man. He's so He's good. So good. Yeah. So that movie came out in 2005. I just love it because it's. I mean, it's a ridiculous movie. It's you know, I mean, a great comedy, but it's you know, he's starring alongside kids. He co- ends up coaching his sons because uh, his father's played by Robert Duvall, mm-hmm. and uh, they both have sons around the same age because his father got you know remarried or yeah. whatever, and they're just very competitive, and he's always looking for approval. I think they have rival sports like you yeah. know like stores and stuff like that, but and then Robert Duvall ends up living next to Mike Dicka playing himself, you oh know the, the you know the coach of the obviously the very famous 1985 Bears, um, and Dicka gets Will Ferrell into coffee, and that that scene is just all about that level that it becomes like you know he's like a you know abusing him in the film obviously it's, oh a, it's a kids movie they don't have him drinking alcohol but he just gets way too into coffee I mean. hilarious <laughs> I love it yeah um, it just made me think of like uh, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey 
and uh, I don't know if I don't think there's a coffee scene in that movie actually maybe outside when they're ordering mm -hmm. but um, anyway two one of my f two favorite uh, comedians are probably Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey Jim Carrey being probably the first um, I remember watching Liar Liar at the movie theater and yeah. that was uh, <laughs> that was so hilarious just two comedic <laughs> actors that are just always in such like quotable movies yeah it's so good. I just love it like you know like Derek I thought we were friends that's not even my name yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no your name is Liar yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just order you know getting antsy in line I mean that's just Something that I, I, I there was this one comedian, uh, John Panette, that was saying that he, uh, uh, you know, his favorite coffee was Starbucks. He's like, but the people at Starbucks, like, they they just should start drinking some of their own supply because they just take so long. Oh my <laughs> god, I love it! I love it just to wake up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, what? and then so right now we'll play the uh, the scene from Role Models and it's. Uh, it's see what we think of that. Good morning. Can I take your order? Can I get a tall chai? And a large black coffee. A what? Large black coffee. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean a large. He means a venti. Yeah, the biggest one you got. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Danny. Yeah. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. Look, dick. Venti is a large coffee. Really? Says who? Fellini? How much is that? Here's a 10. Do you uh, accept lira or is it all euros? You know euros what? Just now? keep the change. Jesus, Dan, you know what they call sizes here. You know what? You've been picking fights with everybody. The girl at the party. She said ASAP. Oh, ASAP. Oh, I'm sorry. Huge crime. It's like 24-7 or been there, done that. You hate that too. I don't hate it enough to let it ruin my day. It's getting worse. You know, man, the sun is shining, but you have lost the ability to take any joy in life. I can't stand it anymore. You're just a miserable dick now. You're mean to everybody. And FYI, it's called a venti because it's 20 ounces. 20 venti. Is that true? It's funny. So there's some kind of theme here with people getting, I think, antsy in line waiting yeah. for coffee. Yeah. Any experience with that? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, one of the things that I really try to do, um, and I've tried to tell my staff to do, is when people are in line, mm -hmm. um, let them know that you see them. Uh, I think that the most uh, annoying thing, being on the consumer's end, is like when you walk into a place and you don't feel seen, so if there's five people online, it's easier for you, easy for you to slide in and slide out. And for me, I'm kind of like, I need customers. Like I want, I want to serve you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's harder for you to leave if I acknowledge you <laughs> than for you to come in and kind of incognito and just kind of like slide back out because there's too many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I probably have experience in Hoboken when I used to do the markets. Uh, I did the market last year. I hope to do it again this year. And man, oh man, like the the uh, people were a little antsy, you know, kind of like you could see them getting frustrated. But I was very big on like, hey guys, I see you, you know, um, I'll be with you in one moment. So, you mm -hmm. know, I'm very big on that. Even if there's two people online, if I'm serving one customer, I let them know, hey, how are you? I'll be with you in a second. Just letting them know that I see them. Yeah. Um, but people get a little, they get a little antsy. Yeah. No. Again, like I said before, you're, I mean, you're very personable. But every time I walk in here, whether I see you right away or one of your employees, they're just like, hey, like I'm, I'm a few steps into the door. <laughs> yes. And they're <laughs> saying, hey, how's it going? How are you doing today? Exactly. And it's just like, and whether someone isn't or someone is also being, you know, helped yeah. at the same time. So yeah. it's just. 
definitely a level that I think that you guys bring to you know the table. Yeah, as thank far you, as, thank you. Uh, but this this scene, I mean, another <laughs> Paul Rudd. Uh, just even at the end, like, he, like she said, he's just, he's just being so short with everyone these days. Yeah. And at the end, just you know, his whole rant on venti, just being an absolute dick, saying you're stupid in three languages. In three languages, yeah. It was so he's like grande yeah. is means large, yeah. and tall is tall. And, yeah. <laughs> and in the end, venti meaning twenty for twenty ounce cup. Or yeah, whatever, exactly. Yeah, it's so it's. Like, I mean, to be honest, a, a coffee consumer myself, I. I walk into Starbucks and I really just say, "Hey, can I get a small or can I get a large?" I say that too, yeah. Because you know, but you know, sometimes you'll get, sometimes you'll get these like, um, kind of like dramatic people behind the counter that are like, um, that will say something like that. Yeah. So you want a venti? I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. Just, just give, just <laughs> give me be, a large. <laughs> yeah. Not to make this a very Jersey episode, it would be, it would be, be like, you know, going down to South Jersey and be like, "Can I get some Taylor Ham?" They'd be like. What's that? Yeah. Oh, you mean oh, you mean pork roll? Yeah. Oh, you exactly. mean or, or or I'm sure like you know going I mean like in the Midwest what they call it pop versus soda. Soda, yeah. All those little I mean. Just, I'm a Taylor ham guy. Like I go into a place. Hey, can I get a Taylor ham egg and cheese? Yeah. Uh, a por- I'm like a pork roll. What? I, no, yeah. I don't want. I don't want. Uh, I don't want pork. <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. Pernil. Pernil, as we say in Spanish. Um, so funny. Well, last but not least, I have uh, this little round of questions, gut instincts. Let me sure. flip to it. You guys hear my uh, paper rustling? Here we go. All right. Gut instincts, just like whatever comes to your mind first. Favorite fast food? Chick-fil-A. Go-to alcoholic beverage? Wine. Red, white? White. White, yeah. yeah. I'm a white guy. I, I, beef, uh, I, red is too tart for me. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever done like any like a like a wine coffee? Like, is that like a like what's the weirdest coffee combination you ever done? Um, that's a really good question. I'm pretty. I'm kind of a purist. Like, I yeah. try not to mix. I mean, the weirdest probably for me was like adding matcha, like adding espresso to matcha. I think that's kind of odd. Okay. Yeah. Um, but people do it <laughs> so it's kind of like can't get a dirty matcha I'm like okay it's fine but favorite childhood snack oh man it's like between cereal and like brownies yeah like one of those like quarter brownies from the store mm-hmm. oh I used to also get like a roll with like a bag of Doritos which is kind of weird but it's kind of like it was like a poor man like a butter roll or just yeah, a, yeah. I would just get like a regular round yeah. roll and I would get a bag of Doritos throw it into my roll and like eat it and it was the best I just had it the other day because I just felt it's like nostalgia nostalgia yeah I was like I was, I was getting a haircut and I was like I want this so I did it so that I'd probably say that was my favorite snack there you go it was like like kind it. of a meal but, but whatever no but no no but that's yeah that's I, I, I like the specifics of it <laughs> yeah sweet or savory oh man savory favorite food city and I know you you enjoy to travel so both yeah. do, so both domestic and international Man, oh man. So international, I have to say Italy. Oh, I wish I was there right now. And domestic, I had really good experiences in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, it's a great, it is a good food city. That's a place I feel like a lot of established chefs end up going to like, you know, put like an anchor restaurant there. So you get a lot of good food. Yeah, food is really good. And then, um, they have like these huge pieces of like asparagus. Like I love asparagus. 
It was the first time that I ever seen an asparagus that large. <laughs> so I was kind of like, I know that they maybe are around other places, but like for in Jersey, asparagus is usually very small. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to Vegas and getting like a steak and I'm like, what the hell is this? It's yeah. like I'm eating a tree. It was, it was really good. <laughs> Favorite cuisine? Um, you know, that is so hard. Man, oh man, I just love food, so it's hard. But if I had to pick one, I'd have to just stick with cult, like Spanish food, like Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban. So just Hispanic food. Um, it used to be Italian, and I really, really love Italian food. Um, but there's something about flavor that yeah. happens in like a Spanish dish. So uh, while I like really love Italy and I love their food, um, domestically, like if I had to like pick something domestic, it'd probably be Spanish. Do you have a favorite local spot that I should check out? Oh man, um, I like I like Sabroso on Central Avenue, um, and then there's a place called Mi Casa. I don't know if they're still open anymore. I mean, I used to go to them back in the day in downtown Jersey City. Okay. Um, and then like Orale is a really cool place. Yeah, it is, uh, yeah. That's that's more on like the Mexican side, but they have uh, amazing fish tacos and. Uh, the dessert that I recommend to anybody is their tele, um, their tre leche cake. Oh yeah, it is probably it has like poppy seed um, cake with like fresh um, whipped cream and fresh strawberries. It is the best tre leche cake that I've ever had. Wow, it is phenom- phenomenal. That's an, that is, that like, is an endorsement. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I, if you ever want like a, a like a tres leche cake, go to Orale in downtown Jersey City. There the we best. go. Yeah, guilty pleasure food. I love ice cream, man. Uh, I love ice cream. I'm uh, like coffee, a coffee ice cream, or is it? No, I, no. I'm, I'm, and I think this is my dad too. This is like butterscotch and like pecan. Like mm-hmm. I love ice cream that has nuts in it. Um, I think that's probably my fave. And then the occasional cereal, like I, I'm, like fruity pebbles. I haven't had it in years, but the idea of having Fruity Pebbles right now just lights up my soul. Um, <laughs> so, I like that. That's their new slogan, yeah, light yeah. up your soul, Fruity Pebbles. Favorite condiment? Um, ketchup. And I think that, I think it's a Spanish thing. I blame it on my, on my Hispanic culture. Oh, yeah? I, I, I'm such a big, like most Puerto Ricans that you meet are big, um, most Puerto Ricans that you meet are big ketchup people. So I'd say like ketchup, would probably be my my all-time fave what's the last thing you ate um oh man that's that's uh that's embarrassing actually um <laughs> it's actually very embarrassing um i will i will say before i get into what that what that is i'll say what i, what I had before that <laughs> okay, okay okay so i had a juice mm-hmm. so it was a green juice with mm-hmm. like ginger and but then when I was in Restaurant Depot, I had I opened up a pack of Ding Dongs, and, <laughs> and I had a, a pack of Ding Dongs. So I haven't eaten yeah. anything since Ding Dongs, and yeah. if my wife hears this, she's gonna yell at me. Um, but you had the juice, so that's, yeah. I had the juice. I ba- ba- yeah, life is all about balance. Yeah, there you go. So uh, yeah, I had Ding Dongs, and they what, were so good. <laughs> what would be your last meal? Great, great question. Um, Anything with fresh mozzarella, man. Yeah. Just, I'm a, I occasionally go to like Andrea's and they, they know me already. I say, hey, can I get some, <laughs> can I get like a thing of baby mutts yeah. salted? And like, if I can just eat fresh salted mozzarella, I mean, that would be like the best thing ever. 
Um, I could be just dwelling on it right now because I'm so hungry, but it's so, so good. Do you prefer to uh, dine in, like cooking for yourself or dining out? Um, I think that I really love to be with my family. So like if I can dine in and relax, I do that. The Mm -hmm. problem is I just don't have time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I also, so a part of me is like, I'd like, I like to be outside for that reason because I just don't have a lot of time. Like if I was like not doing anything and I woke up in the morning and I was home all day and like, cool, I'll stay home. But for the most part, I'm like, I find myself out a lot. So for me to be out and then have to come home and cook, that Mm -hmm. just overwhelms me. So I'd prefer to just kind of go out, dine out. Uh, if I can go out every night, if I had the money to go out every night, I'd do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I love cooking and I love hosting, but there's something just special about going out and just, you know, then having the food brought to you yeah, and just man. people that are just, that is their passion. And, yeah. t- and you know, when you get yeah. to taste that. What would be your spirit food? What food embodies you, your personality? Oh, man. Um, I love this such a great question I never thought about that um, I really love I'm not trying to endorse myself just throwing it out there I'm not just throwing that out there guys but I really love my avocado toast there you go yeah. so I this and because on the avocado toast we have this idea of like buttery soft bread that's toasted mm-hmm. and then you have this avocado that's like well seasoned with a little bit of lime you have almonds and then you have feta cheese and then on top of the feta cheese you have uh, sriracha, and then you have honey. Ooh, yeah. So this idea of like this spice and 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 different and textures. Sweet textures. Yeah. So I love texture food. Yeah. I like to eat something. I don't like things that are too mushy or too hard. So like if I'm eating it and there's like layers and layers and layers, I love it. For example, uh, it's a fast food place, and now that I think about it, probably it's probably my second favorite, and it's kava. So the thing that I love about kava is that you have like you can get super greens, but then you have like a little bit of grain, and then you have the ability to pick a protein and like all these other veggies and it just has tons and tons of texture. Mm-hmm. So I'm a texture guy. So for me, I love the avocado toast simply because of the texture. So I, yeah. I'd say that that would be like my spirit food. I'm, I'm realizing more and more that, yeah, like I forget, I, forget I, I mean, it was one, I was at Cordo, but I don't know if it was one of their dishes, but I was just explaining like more and more, I'm just, I like a plate that has, or a dish I should say that, has just like multiple textures oh, yeah. to it. Just really, really enjoying that more and more. I love it. I, I love place with texture. If we go to the movies, what kind of snack are we having? Oh, so definitely gonna grab popcorn, mm-hmm. and I'm between definitely chocolate. So, but I'm between Reese's or peanut M and M's. Oh, so yeah. So either way, that peanut chocolate mm-hmm. combo. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, good. I think that. Because they just, I, the way that I explain it is they just kind of slide out of the bag. I probably would go with like Reese's Peanuts. Yeah. Um, uh, Reese's um, Peanut Butter Cup. Uh, peanut yeah. uh, that with the, with, the, with the popcorn, definitely. The other day, I went to the movies and we saw Bad Boys and... Oh, how was that? Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I, it's good. Give good it, reviews. It, it, I think they're already going to make a fourth one or something. They already, yeah, at the end yeah. of the... Yeah, they're oh, okay, there's something. That, they, wow, they, okay. Basically, they're, they're making another one. But it was super good. I laughed really hard and... Uh, the thing that I loved about it, uh, so the point is that I went in there, we had just eaten, and I did not get popcorn. Mm-hmm. I always get popcorn, always. And even now, as I'm talking about it, I feel like I missed something. <laughs> so it's like, it's a part and of... And that's a good movie. That's like a blockbuster oh, popcorn yeah. kind of movie. Totally, you know? totally. I love, Tr- Trader Joe's makes um, 
these little and there's the Trader Joe's is right by the Bowtie Cinema, so it yeah. ends up working out. Uh, but they make the mini dark chocolate Reese's cups. Oh, just like a container though, so it's just like the perfect thing to. You know, I have a hard time with dark chocolate, man. Oh yeah, I I, I love milk chocolate. You're gonna you probably will think I'm crazy. Well, I grew up loving milk chocolate, and I don't know. I guess I'm more bitter these days. Yeah, <laughs> I, but I also love. I love. I was gonna say is right. Why I'm gonna say you think I'm crazy is that I love white chocolate, and I really love white chocolate. And, and it's people who like like chocolate chocolate think uh-huh. I'm insane. I just don't think it should be called chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, you can call, call, like, quite oh, frankly, <laughs> you can call it sugar lard, and I will eat it. Like it's just, <laughs> it is so so good. Well, last question. Yeah. What is a great, if not the greatest, lesson you've learned when it comes to food? Man, um, the greatest lesson is to taste your food. You I think it. that there's too many people who develop really beautiful-looking dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the, the detail of tasting your food, making sure that you know that what you're putting out is great quality, um, is super important. So it's probably my best lesson if I had to ever teach my children one of the most important lessons about food is probably that because you can't gauge something without tasting it and I'm not saying that you that I go in there and I grab somebody's avocado toast and I taste it before but I've had it enough times before to know how much seasoning I need to put mm-hmm. etc so I think that for me it's like you have to take your time but you have to taste your food you have to taste it biggest lesson for me you can't put anything out that you haven't tasted it's a great lesson yeah Evan, I can't thank you enough for pleasure, coming man. on. Please, Such a pleasure. Uh, right now, tell the foodies out there where they can find you, social yeah. media-wise, all that good stuff. Yeah, man. So Hybrid Coffee and Kitchen uh, in Jersey City Heights, 110 Cambridge Avenue. Uh, it's between Griffith and South. Um, sorry, Griffith and Bowers, forgive me. So 110 Cambridge Avenue, Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, Hybrid Coffee and Kitchen. We're open Monday through Friday, uh, 7 a.m. to 5.30. Saturdays, uh, 8 a.m. to 5 o'clock. And awesome. Sundays, we're closed. But. Gotcha. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, Such thank, a pleasure. Thank you again. Um, right now, if you can, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. If you don't mind saying it, it's there's more to cut. So just, uh, you know, just it's just something that my grandmother always used to oh, say. Like, you know, the plate was getting empty and she's like, oh, don't worry. You know, there, there's there's more to cut. So I think oh, it just kind of transcends into it. Totally. So, yeah, if you don't mind saying that for the foodies yeah. out there. Foodies, there's more to cut. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Thanks. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy. Such a 